I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Hoisty Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. We've got a lot to get to on this edition BYU preview. It is Wednesday afternoon, heading to Utah tomorrow for the game. So getting ahead and getting out in front and doing this preview podcast. Shortly, we will talk to Jeff Hansen. He is from the BYU 24-7 sports site, Cougar Sports Insider to get an in-depth look on what's going on in Provo. It is a struggle right now for the BYU Cougars, but as I'll get into, I think East Carolina is walking into a tough situation where they're going to get the Cougars' best shot this Friday night. 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff is the time for the game. 6 p.m. local mountain time, Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Friday night. Should be a great environment. Should be a packed house. It'll be my first time going to Provo, going to Utah, and looking forward to checking out that environment. But everybody that has been says it's beautiful. So if you're going to the game, uh, Jeff, I asked him at the end of our interview, which we're going to play here in a little bit, he gives kind of an alternate route to the stadium to do some sightseeing if you're staying in the Salt Lake area. So stay tuned for that uh, and some recommendations from Jeff, who is a, a Utah um, native, of course, and a uh, you know guy familiar with BYU as he covers them. And so interesting game on a number of levels. One, ECU, you have this momentum coming off back-to-back home wins. You've kind of made a surge in conference play. And as we talked about after the win over UCF, you've kind of put yourself at least back on the the radar to get back into the conference mix, depending on what happens the next few weeks. But really, ECU can't change its conference standing over the next two weeks. So – is this an important game? Absolutely. It's the next game. As Coach Mike Houston said, it's the only game they have this week, so that makes it the most important game. But as far as the conference standings go, you just you don't see teams step out of conference play much this late in the season unless you're playing an independent or you have a late-season non-conference rivalry game. So this is kind of a unique matchup from that perspective. It's only the third ever matchup between the Cougars and Pirates and BYU 
just narrowly defeated ECU in Provo in 2015, 45-38, in what was a crazy game. And then, of course, ECU got the better of them a few years later in 2017 in Greenville. So this will be the first meeting in five years between the two programs. Kalani Sataki coached against Scotty Montgomery in 2017. That was a 4-9 BYU team. Probably the worst BYU team they've had in years. This year's team, you know, 4-4, four and four, they've definitely underachieved. They were a preseason top 25 club. They were 4-1 and one just three weeks ago and ranked in the top 15 nationally. Since then, they've lost a close one to Notre Dame. They were leading Arkansas uh, midway through that game. Then things got away. And then really the surprise was the Liberty game. Just a pretty shocking outcome there as the Cougars traveled east to the east coast and were sent back home with a 41-14 to loss after getting up 14-3 to in the game. They gave up 38 unanswered points. And just listening to, to some of the BYU press conferences this week and talking to some of the guys that have done some interviews out there in Utah for their radio stations, and it's almost like a sky-is-falling situation where they're coming off, you know, 10-2, and 11-1 seasons. They're not used to losing three games in a row. They're certainly not expecting to lose to Liberty and not in the fashion that they did. And so there's been some major personnel changes. And what's interesting is Kalani Sataki, the new defensive coordinator, he actually made those changes, at least from a play caller perspective, going into the Liberty game. And it didn't go well. They got shredded. And they had get, they, they really have gotten shredded on the defensive side of the football all year long. Sataki, a former defensive coordinator himself, at Utah and at other places. He kind of took over the play calling duty. So they did some different stuff. They've got a ton of different formations. But the results were, were largely the same. So he says he will continue to call the plays. The former defensive coordinator has now, he still has the defensive coordinator title, but he's now the defensive line coach full-time. And Sataki's basically making the personnel and the play calling decisions. So that creates a little bit of an unknown going into this game. How much do they change? going into this contest versus what he did last week against Liberty. You know, as Donnie Kirkpatrick, the ECU offensive coordinator, said on Tuesday when we talked, really he's probably been involved with the defense the whole time. Now he's just calling the plays. And, and on a short week, you would imagine they're not going to change but so much. And I'm sure they'll have a few wrinkles to try and fix things because, quite honestly, guys, this defense has been abysmal. Uh, you know, <sighs> They're giving up a ton of points, ton of yards. I'll get into some of the metrics here recently. Now, I do want to say they've had a lot of injuries. One, two, they played a, a a very difficult schedule. I mean, all four of their losses have come to really good teams. They lost at Oregon, which is a top 25 team. They lost, of course, to Arkansas, which was a top 25 team at one time. Liberty is 7-1. I don't know how close they are to the top 25. Maybe they're in now. I haven't checked this week. Their only loss came by one point to Wake Forest, when we all know the quality of Wake Forest's team. Uh, and then their other loss was to Notre Dame by a touchdown. So this is a, this is still a very capable team, and this isn't a spot, which I'll get into at the end of my show when I make my prediction. This is a tough spot for ECU from the standpoint of You've got a proud BYU program coming off kind of a crippling, smacked-in-the-mouth loss away from home. They're coming back home. They're a wounded animal. 
I will be very surprised if BYU does not show up and play well and respond on Friday night. They're playing at home. They're 4-4. Four and four. If you lose this game, if you're BYU at home on a national stage, I mean, your season is, is probably done. And we'll talk about this with Jeff Hansen in a little bit. He kind of agrees with my take here. Like, this is kind of your last stand. You've got Boise State on the road next week. Then you go to Stanford to close things out. They also got an FCS opponent. Like, if I'm BYU, this is the make-or-break point. And you can argue maybe previous weeks have been that point. But your favorite at home, if you can't respond from losing 41-14 to Liberty, then, uh, you know, the culture isn't as good as what you thought, thought it was. Now, this is very similar to me to when ECU got smacked at Tulane. ECU fans wanted to, not all of them, but, you know, you have the the vocal ones who want to make staff changes, want to change the quarterback, want to change the personnel, you know, stuff that typically happens when a proud fan base sees their team lose in a fashion they don't expect. Well, what did ECU do? They came back, they beat Memphis. Granted, they got down 17-0 and looked dead in the water, but won that game in dramatic fashion, then played their best game of the year against UCF, and now it's all all great. Everything is uh, is going well. Now, everything is so week-to-week week in this business. If the Pirates play well or don't play well on Friday night, then the, the sky could be falling again. Although, you know, getting getting the vibe from Pirate Nation, I feel like most people expect this to be a, an absolute, you know, dogfight of a game. I don't think any East Carolina fan is expecting to go out there to Provo and, and win the game easily. And certainly, I think a number of ECU fans realistically expect that the same reasons I do that BYU will will be in a position to bounce back. So I really see this as a situation where East Carolina has to find a way to replicate the success it had against UCF as much as possible. I think to me they're going to have to play once again a, a pretty complete game to have a shot to win in the fourth quarter. And you know maybe I'm misreading this entire situation if BYU is just so beat up, banged up from playing a tough schedule, and they're just not a good team at all that ECU can go out there and win but I just don't see it it being a easy situation like that I think this is going to be a proud BYU team ready to go ready to fight for its season and just the vibe I get from Mike Houston is he's kind of addressed that with the team you know you're you're going out to a tough place to play against a very strong cultured program coming off an embarrassing loss I think you know that lends to believe that you're going to get BYU's best shot so but you know at the end of the day it comes down to execution and there are some matchups I really like in this football game from ECU's perspective especially the way they're playing on offense right now BYU has struggled to stop the run this season and we all know how much when ECU is running the football how much better this offense looks you got so much built off the RPO and at times the play-action game can be very deadly, that if the Pirates can establish the run, I think they can move the football really all night. Even Especially on a cold night, you want to be able to run the football. It sounds like it's going to be a high of 50, low of 25. Probably during the game it'll be between the 30s and 40s, and so that's something EC will have to deal with. But looking at some of the numbers from Pro Football Focus, BYU is grading out as one of the worst defenses in college football. And again, Put the opponents into the mix. They've played a tough national schedule, but they rank 125th out of 132 FBS programs in total defense. In total defensive grades, they are giving up 
a ton of rushing yards, nearly five yards per carry. They rank towards the bottom of the country in run defense grades. Rank more towards the middle of the pack or more towards the bottom of the middle in terms of coverage. Their run defense, you know, their defensive linemen and their linebackers have really struggled. Their safeties are pretty good against the run, and they got some edge guys who are good against the run, but they have been very vulnerable up the middle. Uh, Their corners, you know, they're just okay. They got one really good cornerback who's played some solid ball this year, a transfer from Vanderbilt, Gabe Judy Jock. Lolly, I'm going to struggle with some of these pronunciations. Um, and they're good on the edge. Tyler Batty is, is an edge rusher that generates a lot of pressures. He's got, he's generated 20 pressures this year. Only has one sack, but he's consistently in the backfield. And then at the other edge spot, John Nelson's a guy who has also generated some, some pressure. So ECU is going to have to play well at tackle. I do like the matchups interior with the guards. ECU's interior offensive line has played well this year. And I think they're going to be able to get some push in the running game. And we all know if you can do that, if you can get keep Mitchell a seam, there's going to be some good things that happen. Offensively, BYU is capable of putting up points. I mean, I would be surprised if if ECU is able to really shut them down on on Friday. I, I think this is a game that's kind of a tough matchup and that Jaron Hall is a really good quarterback, tremendous arm talent. The receivers have been a little bit banged up. But these guys can throw the football. Puka Nakua is an NFL prospect, a wide receiver, can do a little bit of everything. Unfortunately for BYU, they will be without their leading receiver in terms of, of, of catches in Cody Epps and also their top running back uh, in Christopher Brooks. But these guys have talent. Um, you know, you've got two other backs they can count on. You've got Keanu Hill at wide receiver, who's a 6'4 target, who's grading out well above average this year. You've got some other receivers, Chase Roberts, who has made plays. So they're still going to have plenty of offensive skill talent, and their offensive line has been solid for most of the year. One area they have been a little vulnerable in is in the run game. They've actually pass protected really well, but they have not been able to run the football consistently. So if you're ECU and you can make them one-dimensional, continue that theme from recent weeks. If you can do that, then maybe you force Jaron Hall into a few mistakes and you get him in third and long when this defense at times can be really good and really confuse opponents. So, you know, I like some of the matchups here. I just think it's going to have to be a high-execution game for East Carolina to win the football game. I'll have my prediction and more on the other side. Let's get to our interview, learn more about BYU with Jeff Hansen of Cougar Sports Insider. We will talk with him. On the other side, you're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
All right, I'm joined now by Jeff Hansen of Cougar Sports Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. He covers BYU just like we do cover East Carolina for Hoist the Colors on the 24-7 Sports Network. Jeff, uh, I don't know if either of us really saw this matchup happening under these circumstances when the schedule first came out, man, but uh, how are things going in, in BYU country right now? Uh, not not as good as they're going at uh, ECU, I can tell you that much. When this when this game was scheduled, and even coming into the year, and, and honestly, maybe even the first couple of weeks of the year, I think both fan bases would have probably looked at this and had very different realities, I guess, or expectations of what this game was going to be like. Now here we are looking at game week, and uh, man, ECU is surging. They look great, and BYU is going the exact opposite direction and full of question marks. Pretty pretty wild circumstances to to get us to this point. Yeah, I watched Kalani Sataki's press conference on Monday, and like it seems pretty somber. It kind of reminds me when ECU fell to Tulane a couple weeks ago. Everybody in Pirate Nation was ready to make coaching changes, and you know, you win a couple games in a row, one in dramatic fashion, then you beat a good team in UCF, and all of a sudden there's sunshine and rainbows. Uh, <laughs> now BYU is kind of filling the other spectrum of that. You know, how was I guess how surprising has this three game losing streak been? I know there's been injuries, but how uh, how tough has it been out there? It's been tough. Uh, I mean, I think you, you lose to Notre Dame and Arkansas. You wish you could have had that Notre Dame game back. Notre Dame is not Notre Dame, right? They're they're not the same team that, that they were. So that was frustrating for BYU fans. But, I mean, ultimately, there's no shame in losing to Notre Dame and Arkansas. That Liberty loss was kind of the cherry on top, that not only to lose to Liberty, but to lose by, by 27 or whatever it was, to just get absolutely blown out by Liberty – uh, that that soured people really quickly. And so any positive vibes that the staff, the coaching staff had earned at the beginning of the year, man, those were quickly, quickly spent and gone uh, as soon as BYU lost in Lynchburg. So let's, before we dive into the offensive defense, let's talk in general just about the injuries. I mean, BYU plays a national schedule. It just seems like from the outside looking in, from my perspective, like they haven't had their full complement of players almost all season. Like the receivers have been kind of in and out. The quarterback I read has been banged up, Jaron Hall. The defense has had some guys out. So how big of a role has that played? It's been a big deal. I mean, there's no question about it. And going into this week, Chris Brooks is going to be out starting tailback. Uh, Cody Epps has been the leading receiver this year. Uh, he and Puka Nakua have been going kind of, you know, 1A and 1B in the receiving game. And Cody Epps is now out. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, injuries have been a, a really big part of this team. It, it's been kind of interesting. Injuries at BYU, especially because of their national schedule, because they they really have to have their full complement of players in order to beat, you know, teams like Notre Dame and Arkansas, right? Uh, BYU feels injuries, it seems like, more than other teams do. And, I, you know, it's hard to say that. Anytime there's a star that goes down anywhere, that's going to hurt. But at BYU, it, it just feels like that hurts more because they're not P5 depth, right? But they're playing P5 programs. And when you don't have those P5 players that BYU does have in the first level of their depth chart, then it gets really tough to beat those P5 teams. And as more injuries rack up, confidence gets shot, and then you run into all the other things and you get embarrassed by Liberty. So it, it's been a it's been a big deal for BYU. Uh, Jaron Hall, particularly, uh, you watch him play. He hasn't missed a snap yet as a result of his injury. And he will say publicly, he feels great. Like he's ready to roll. You watch him play. He's just not the same guy that he was. He got hurt against Utah state. 
and toward the end of the game and in the game since then you'll catch him you know holding his shoulder at times you'll catch his arm hanging down at times he's sailing more throws than he did before probably compensating for shoulder pain as he throws so so he's clearly hurt uh, but he's still out there doing his best he has practiced more this week than he has uh, in the last couple of weeks so hopefully that's a good sign that he's trending in the right direction but certainly uh, he's he's one hit away from from that changing, right? Offensively, you know, you mentioned that the running back will be out, at least the leading rusher. It you know, it sounds like Nakua was back though against Liberty, and you know, maybe Romney even comes back this week. What what are the strengths? Who are the players to watch out for on offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, we you nailed it there with Puka Nakua. He's he's unreal, and and BYU uses him. Kind of like how the San Francisco 49ers use uh, Debo Samuel. You'll see you'll see Puka lined up as a tailback. You'll see him on jet sweeps, and then he's also the best deep threat on the team. I mean, it's the, the offense tries to get him the ball in as many ways as they possibly can. Behind him, BYU still has a lot of really talented receivers. They're they're maybe not NFL guys, but they're guys that know this offense and they perform really well within Aaron Roderick's scheme. Uh, Chase Roberts is a guy who's had success. Keanu Hill has had a, a number of different touchdown catches and a couple of really big games this year. So even without Cody Epps at the wide receiver position, BYU's well stocked and and they're all they're all kind of big dudes. I think they're all six two and and above. They're all two hundred pounds. So big physical wide receivers that maybe maybe they're not your home run threats. There's going to be a lot of sixty yard plays. Uh, but they're the kind of guys that are going to be able to go and move chains that are that almost like tight ends, but but out wide. And then with Brooks out, how big of a blow is that to the running game? Or, you know, Miles Davis, is he more than capable of, of picking up a slack? Or who do you look for behind there? Yeah, Miles Davis and Lopini Katoa will be the two guys who get the, 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 the lion's share of the carries. It's really interesting because BYU just hasn't had, even with Brooks, they really haven't had much of a running game to speak of these last couple of weeks. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, you, you lose your guy and you're already not performing. That seems like it would be a really, really big deal. Uh, from BYU's perspective, they've kind of abandoned the run. And I don't know if that's because they, they weren't getting enough, if that's by design or it's working around injuries. Uh, if the game plan the last couple of weeks is the same on Friday night, Chris Brooks probably wasn't going to be utilized anyway. So kind of an interesting thing there to watch. The injury definitely hurts. Not having Brooks there for those short yardage, you know, the third and twos, uh, that's a big deal. But from a game plan perspective, he he hasn't been utilized. Defensively, I mean, I don't know. I think of BYU as like always good defensively. So it's, it's crazy to see these numbers. And, and I've been reading that, you know, Sataki is, is taking over the defensive play calling duties. I guess he did that going into Liberty, but, you know, giving up 50% on third down, uh, 422 yards per game. Some of this is a byproduct of the schedule they play. But, two, I mean, just what has gone wrong defensively for BYU? You know, BYU has played for the last four or five years. They, they've played a really – I'll call it conservative scheme, meaning that they're not trying to get after the quarterback very much. If you were to talk to defensive coordinator Elias Tuiaki, he, he'll tell you that the chaos comes in the coverage. And, and we've certainly seen that play out over the last few years where there's seven, eight guys in coverage on most snaps and quarterbacks do get confused. Uh, it's been very much a bend, but don't break defense this year. Teams have figured it out. I don't know if it's lack of execution on BYU side, or if teams have finally just figured out how to attack this defense. 
Uh, but man, they they can't get stops. In the last few weeks, it, it's been particularly tough to watch uh, because it's yeah third downs. I think in the last three weeks, BYU has given up north of sixteen hundred yards and nearly seventy percent on third downs. And so the defense just isn't getting off the field. It's really tough to say what went wrong. I mean, really, just close your eyes and point. Like nothing is going well on defense right now. You know, just watching them some uh, 92. Is it Tyler Beatty? Is that he? Batty, yeah. Batty. Yep. He seems to at least jump off the page, at least in terms of getting pressure. Is he kind of one of the, the main guys to watch? He he absolutely is. Batty, Batty's a big dude. He's from a small town in Utah, so he's just kind of this farm guy. Got this farm dude strength, and uh, he plays like that. Like, he just cares, right? So so Tyler Batty's a big deal. Um, and he, he's been really close all year long. His total sack numbers aren't overly impressive, but man, he's getting pressure on just about every down that he's in. And, and he's, he's just a step too late to get those sacks. Uh, and when he finally figures out whatever he's got to do to get there, he, he's going to be a monster because he's right there on every play. Special teams wise, East Carolina, they, they, they've been a mess in the kicking game. They had to make a, a change at kicker. How has BYU been on special teams and in the kicking game? Uh, yeah, pretty much in the same boat there. Uh, the, the kicking game isn't great. Um, BYU missed a couple of field goals against Baylor. They, there was a, a game winner at the end of regulation, and Jake Oldroyd missed it, and then they missed another one in overtime. And, and since that game, it's sort of been a comedy of errors in the kicking game. They've tried different kickers, but he's missed PATs. The last couple of weeks, there haven't been very many missed field goals, but there also haven't been very many field goal attempts that uh, BYU really has just kind of abandoned it and said, hey, unless it's a PAT, we're not going to kick. We're going to go for it. Aside from the kicking game, punting has been great. The return game's been better than it normally is by BYU standards. So special teams as a whole are pretty okay. But but if this game comes down to a field goal, then, then BYU's in a world of hurt. So is ECU. So uh, <laughs> if it comes down to a field goal, we might all be, uh, who knows, turning our eyes in the press box. Uh, but either way, um, you know, I've been around sports long enough, Jeff, to know like when teams are back against the wall scenario for BYU, they're returning home. Like I look at this from ECU's perspective and you kind of feel like you're getting a wounded animal, but they're going to get you, give you their, their best punch. You know, it kind of feels like BYU's season is at a tipping point right now, and maybe it was that way going into Liberty, but playing at home, you, you almost feel like this is when they're going to circle the wagons if it's going to be a week. Do you kind of get the sense that you know BYU can piece things together and have a bounce-back performance this week? Yeah, it's a really good question, and and, and I think you're right in the, in the sense that if it doesn't come together this week, then, I mean, the rest of the season's pretty much a wash at this point. BYU has to put up or shut up right now. Uh, over the last 10 years of BYU being a football independent, you know, former players and, and people from the outside have always talked about, well, what do you have to play for if you're in an in independent, right? You lose that first game, maybe two games. There's no conference chase. You know what bowl you're going to. So other than bowl eligibility, there's not really any clear cut goals. And for the large part, BYU fans have been able to kind of just block that out and pretend like that's not real, right? Because well, what other choice do BYU fans have? This year's different because BYU is moving into the Big 12, and, and I think fans are starting to realize and players are starting to realize that, hey, conferences, they're pretty fun, and we're close to getting that back, right? And, and so it kind of makes you wonder, the way things have turned so quickly 
for BYU this year that is the team checked out or the coaches checked out fans are certainly everything's been about the big 12 and the pre preparation for the future. It sort of feels like BYU is just sort of swallowed all of that up and now they have four losses on the year. So maybe they're just done uh, this year, this week against ECU is really where we figure that out. If they show how they did last week, then, then I think the rest of the season, I think we know how that story is going to go. But if they're going to show some heart and come together, it's going to happen on Friday night. For ECU fans going to Provo, and I'll be making the trip, my first trip. Uh, I'm staying in Salt Lake City. We're going to drive to the game, obviously. Any recommendations on sightseeing or food or just things to do? I know, unfortunately, it's going to be a little cold this week. Okay. But uh, uh, anything you can recommend? Because I know we got some members that are making the trip out to Utah. Yeah, you guys are coming just in time for the cold. If this was one week ago, you would have loved it. Utah would have been on everybody's bucket list. Now now it's a little cold. Uh, I, I would recommend it. You're doing it right, Stephen. Coming and staying in Salt Lake, that, that's probably the best place to stay. It's only 45 minutes away from the stadium. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I'm in Salt Lake, I live north of Provo, just, you know, just north of Salt Lake City. I like to go through Park City and then through the back roads and the canyons and the mountains down into the stadium. Uh, there's there's a road that'll take you right there. And so you just make sure you put that in your Google Maps and you'll run through Park City and see, you know, where there's snow in the mountains now. You'll see all the ski resorts, where all the Olympic stuff was, Sundance and all that stuff. And then you'll come down through just some of the most beautiful mountain territory that you'll ever get to. Uh, so that's fun. And it's, you know, people coming from North Carolina, I think that that's uh, that's unique. These these mountains are different up here. And uh, if you got a chance to go through it, that's that's what I would recommend. Lavelle Edwards Stadium, it sounds like it, even with the the struggles by BYU, it'll still be a packed house. Just what is that atmosphere like? What can Pirate fans expect there? It's a lot of fun. It, it's uh, it's different, right? It's a unique a unique environment. Keaton Slovis, the, the, when he was playing at USC, he, they came to Provo on a Saturday afternoon, and it was nuts. And he, he talked about this experience that – he, he had this kind of like out-of-body experience where he was on the field and he sees 65,000 fans and they're all screaming. And then he like, it dawned on him and he kind of looked around and he was like, every single one of these people is sober. And it's, it's just such a weird environment at BYU that it's people who are super passionate about football, but it is, it's, it's a different college football environment for sure. Uh, it will be fun. It will be on a Friday night. I think it will be, uh, it will be a younger crowd that's there. There's a lot of older BYU fans that check out of these night games and then the student section fills up. So it'll be young. It'll be rowdy. It'll be a good time. Uh, but hopefully BYU fans generally, they treat everybody really well. We're just happy when people show up and, and come and make the trip to Provo. So I think ECU fans will feel really good about the environment, about being there. And hopefully they go home having a good time. Well, we're looking forward to it. And Jeff Hansen, we appreciate the insight on BYU from Cougar Sports Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. So check out his work. I know he's written some things, including a an article, Jeff, I noticed that you wrote before the game even ended, uh, which I, <laughs> I had to laugh at because I've been there before uh, when East Carolina was going through the Scotty Montgomery era. So I, I feel your pain, man. It's brutal, right? I mean, those are – it felt artistic in my head. If I publish this now, but maybe it was just disrespectful. I don't know. I mean, if the game was over, which it was, and it proved to be, then I think it's, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I think it speaks <laughs> to the fans and I think it's a, I think it's fair, man. So, Hey, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, looking forward to maybe catching up in Provo with you, but either way, man, we appreciate the insight. Appreciate it. Good luck and, uh, travel safe when you come out here.
All right, appreciate Jeff Hansen's insight into what's going on at BYU. And again, should be an, an interesting game Friday night. And, and anytime you've got a game on national TV, it's important for both programs. Of course, BYU pretty pretty routine to be on national TV. They've got a national following. Should be an, you know a, a, a good viewership opportunity for their fans, but also for ECU. I, I think a lot of people just across college football may not know how far ECU's program has come under Mike Houston. You've got kind of a chance to really make a national statement. Sure, some people may be watching the World Series, but a lot of people don't like baseball, and they're going to be looking for some football. And on Friday night, on the main ESPN networks, you're going to have this football game as the primary viewing opportunity. So a great opportunity for the Pirates, and they're going with their all-white uniforms and the black helmets. Last year, they went 2-0. and in that combination, I believe, winning at Memphis and also winning at Marshall. So make it 3-0 and because I believe the team wore that at Navy as well. And I'm looking it up now. Yes, they did. They wore it at Navy. So, yeah, 3-0 and in that uniform combination. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And we'll see if the Pirates can win their first game in those uniforms this year with the black helmets on the road in a tough environment in Provo. All right, it's time to make our picks to click and also our prediction for the game. Picks to click, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you can make Holden Aylers the pick to click every week with the way he's playing, but I think he's going to have to be on top of his game. Um, This is a, a complex defense, and with Sataki making some changes on the defensive side of the ball. You, you, you've you got to like that you've got a, a veteran quarterback that can go out there and probably diagnose some things that you may not otherwise expect to see. But for me, I think this has to be a Keaton Mitchell game. He played good against UCF, had the big run at the end, but that kind of inflated his numbers. I think this is a game, and really the running game as a whole, the offensive line, I think this is a game they can really take over and, and control the game. I think they, they should be able to get some push up front. They should be able to hit some some pretty big plays. BYU is big defensively. You know, they're not overly fast. And so I think Keaton Mitchell maybe can can break one if he gets the right seam. Uh, defensively, you're, you're going to need a really good effort, once again, from your pass rush and also your defensive backs. I think your defensive backs – are going to have to play really good against some tall, physical wide receivers, a good tight end, a really talented quarterback who can play at the professional level in Jaron Hall. And so I think you're going to have to get a good performance across the board in the secondary. I mean, to me, the secondary is crucial, but I think really a pre-Washington's a guy who has played more snaps than he has before at ECU as a grad transfer the last couple weeks, and I think he's going to have to play a great game, whether ECU goes man, whether they go zone. He's played really well the last couple of games. You know, Outside of a play or two against Memphis, I thought that he's he's really added some coverage ability to ECU's defensive backfield across from Malik Fleming to really help shore up that secondary. So uh, defensive backfield is going to have to play well for the Pirates to have a shot to win this football game. Uh, as far as my prediction... I just don't love this spot for ECU. And I will say, if the Pirates go on the road and they win this football game, you know, the, the, I think they'll definitely have a shot in the end. I just think BYU is going to, going to prevail. But I do say, if, if ECU goes on and wins this game on the road and they win three in a row and find a way to clinch ball eligibility, get to six and three, go into the bye, that will be a major statement 
for this program under Mike Houston. Uh, this is a this is not an easy game to go play coming off an emotional win and one of your biggest wins of the Mike Houston era, probably the biggest win now to turn around on a short week, go face a hungry opponent uh, across the world, across the United States, so to speak. And it's going to be a major challenge. I wouldn't put it past this guy. These guys wouldn't be shocked at all if they win. I'll be thoroughly impressed if they do just because of the spot they are in. Short week, on the road, pack house, biggest environment they've played in this year, hungry opponent. All those things said, I'm going BYU to win the football game. Hoping I'm wrong once again. I picked against ECU when they uh, were going to the UCF game, and they proved me very wrong on that. I'm taking BYU in a close one, 35-31 to 31 in a tight contest in Provo. I do think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game, even with the lower temperatures. I think both these offenses are very good. Um, and again, don't let the record fool you on BYU. They're 4-4, four and four, but they are extremely talented, and it wouldn't shock me if they put together one of their best performances of the year in a bounce-back spot. So should be a big game. Should be a great following on uh, national TV. I'm sure there will be plenty of discussion on Hoist the Colors about the game. We'll have the, the live game chat going as always. We'll be providing live updates from Provo. I know there's some ECU fans planning to potentially get together before the, the game. So if you're going to Provo, hit me up and I'll see if we can uh, all get up together, a little get together before the game and say hello um, as part of the Hoist the Colors crew and whatnot. But it uh, should be a fun one. And we will talk to you guys after the game. At some point, I'll be traveling back Saturday. So probably look for a podcast Sunday uh, at some point as we finally get a bye week catch up a little bit and catch our breath but uh until then thank you guys for listening to the hoist and colors podcast and the game friday night Now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.